Well, welcome everybody. Welcome to City Life. I almost don't want to cut this short because this is an awesome time where we're all here together in one building. Uh, as Anthony already shared, we're kind of in rare form tonight. And uh, we're in rare form because we're so talkative because we love both campuses, but we're also in rare form because we are one church in one location, which uh, is different for us. Typically, we're one church in two locations. I'm Pastor Justin. I'm with the crew from Suffolk. And Pastor Fred pastors here in Newport News. If you're here for the first time, he's going to be sharing later. But uh, like Anthony was sharing, this time coming together, seeing faces that we've ministered with, seeing faces that are familiar. And then Fred and I were joking, like, we don't know who's a visitor and we don't know who's from the other campus, right? Because both campuses are growing, which is a beautiful thing. But uh, in terms of faces, one face I was thinking of is, is Jason Kearney, who I've seen walking past. But uh, he and Amy, they helped plant the Suffolk campus. And then after about a year as planned, they came back to Newport News. But I can remember it was one of our early leadership meetings. He thought I wrote my sermons on Friday night. And I was like, Jason, if I ever and writing my sermons on Friday night, what Sunday morning pastors might call the Saturday night special, like I'm just like, can me then? Cause like that can't be the practice. I'm just not that good. But if you're a once in a generation orator, person who gives speeches, preacher, like Martin Luther King Jr., uh, you sometimes don't have to operate by those rules. Uh, no doubt many of us, if not all of us, have heard bits or portions or the entirety of his I Have a Dream speech over this past week. But as the story goes, 24 hours before he was set to speak in front of a quarter million people at the Lincoln Memorial in D.C., he was still unsure about what he was going to say. So he's in his hotel room and he's with his advisors, he's with his close friends and confidants, and he asks their advice. He's like, well, what should I hit on? What should I say? And it was his chief advisor, Wyatt Walker, goes down in history for telling him, don't use the lines about I have a dream. It's trite, it's cliche. This is a dream that God had put on Martin Luther King Jr.'s heart. So he shared it again and again. And his advisor was like, the dream is played out. The time for dreaming is over. Let's rally. So there's a whole sermon to be preached here about who's in your circle giving you advice, right? <laughs> but I, I love the historical account of the moment. I read it a couple years ago and I saved it. But as he was speaking... This historian says King was winding up what would have been a well-received, but by his standards, fairly unremarkable oration. Go back to Mississippi. Go back to Alabama. Go back to South Carolina. Go back to Georgia. Go back to Louisiana, he said. Then behind him, his friend, singer Mahalia Jackson, cried out, tell them about the dream, Martin. King continued, go back to the slums and ghettos of our northern cities, knowing that somehow this situation can and will be changed. Jackson shouted again, tell them about the dream. King continued still, let us not wallow in the valley of despair. I say to you today, my friends, and it says, then King grabbed the podium, set his prepared text to his left. And his close friend, Clarence Jones, turned to the person next to him and said, oh, these people don't know, it, but he's about to take him to church. All right? And there was a, the historian says there was a smattering of applause that filled a pause more pregnant than most. And then Dr. King said those words. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. And it was in this moment that his advisor, Walker, said, all words you can't say in church. He's using the dream. <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr. in this flash of discernment while he's in the middle of giving this speech decided to share his dream. And now some over 50 years later, we can quote the dream. We rally around the dream. There's generations that can now dream bigger today because he had that dream, shared that dream, and chased after that dream with so many other people. 
And while I share this tonight, you're like, you're, you're a week late, buddy. But while I share this tonight is to ask you the question, who are you tonight in this account? Are you his advisor, Wyatt Walker, who thought that the time for dreaming had expired? Or can you speak over yourself in the words of MLK? No, in spite of difficulties, in spite of whatever may come, I still have a dream. And maybe you'd hear that and think, well, that question is trite and cliche. But I would tell you it's crucial. Because I was reading in Newsweek recently, they said that we are in the midst of what one psychologist called a silent epidemic. What is this epidemic? It's dream loss. A new study showed that lack of dreams due to lack of sleep is related to all kinds of health issues, physical issues, mental health issues, all of the above. See, as a culture, we're becoming more and more driven, but we're not dreaming. We no longer pause and rest long enough to have dreams. And it's hurting us, as this article showed. And the result is we're burning out at an alarming rate rather than doing what we should, which is building the future. And this burnout culture with not enough dreaming, little to no dreaming, can creep its way into the church. But I would tell you tonight that if you are a Holy Spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ and a part of the church, you'll have dreams. You'll have dreams for your family. You'll have dreams for your kids. You'll have dreams for yourself. You'll have dreams for your school. You'll have dreams for your region. You'll have dreams for your business. You'll have dreams for your church. You'll have dreams for the entire region. How can I say that so adamantly? Well, we just came out of a series on the Holy Spirit. And one of the key passages on the Holy Spirit in Scripture, it's repeated twice. It's first in Joel 2, and then Peter quotes it in Acts 2. It's verse 17 where he says, quoting God, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Your old will do what? Dream dreams. Your, as we might call in the church, seasoned saints will do what? You'll dream dreams. Dream dreams. And I love this because we're in a series in Suffolk right now called Myth Busting. So let me bust a myth right here on the mic. We so often think dreams are for kids. Dreaming is for children. It's something you put away later in life when you've got to get to the grind. See, if this passage said and was translated that our sons and daughters will dream dreams, it might just fill our stereotype. Because we think of dreaming, we think of Disney World. We think of wishing upon a star. We think of putting up all those boxes from those Christmas presents and rather than playing with the toys, imagining some world as you play with those boxes. But even if it was something that kids do and it was for kids, you look at Matthew 18, what does Jesus say? Become like children, right? One way we do this is we never stop dreaming. What if part of what Paul was talking about in Romans 12, when he talks about renewing your mind through the word of God, what if part of that is renewing this part of our brain that imagines and has the capacity to dream big again, to become like children in this way? Because as adults, you can probably relate. It's easy to drift from being a dreamer to just being driven. We're driven here, there, and everywhere by to-do lists, by the tyranny of the urgent, by, by the current task at hand, just working down our lists. And the problem is, as we keep our head down doing this, we don't pause to rest. And if we don't pause to rest, chances are we're not pausing to dream. And we drift into this silent epidemic, as this article called it, of dreamlessness. And it doesn't just hurt us physically. It doesn't just hurt us mentally. It can hurt us spiritually. See, passionate drive is crucial. If you've got a dream from God, you know it's from God, go after it with drive and grit and passion. But I think the older we get, and as we stop growing physically, at least vertically, some of us are growing 
the, the wrong way. But as we stop growing in life, sometimes we think the time for growing is over. But we're always called to keep growing spiritually. You know, the word authenticity in our culture has become synonymous with, well, this is who I am. This is me being genuine. This is me keeping it real. But if we operate with a definition of authenticity like that, we're going to operate out of the definition of insanity, doing the same thing as the same person over and over again. So you end up repeating the past over and over rather than creating the future. It's this lie that the enemy uses that, that has so many people in the church that maybe been following Christ for 10 years, maybe 20 years. But you don't have a 10-year-old or 20-year-old faith. You have a one-year-old faith. You've just lived over and over for 10 years. And you say, man, I gave my life to Christ all that time back. I prayed the prayer. Why am I still struggling with the same thing? It's because we forget in Scripture there's not just a call to be justified and come under the cross. There's a call to grow, be sanctified. Yeah, I look like this today, but I'm called to look more like Christ every day. There's a call to growth. I think sometimes we forget this because we forget to dream. Maybe you would say, well, I don't have any dreams for myself currently. Well, guess what? Good news, God does, right? Read Psalm 139 in your mirror tomorrow morning and just pause and reflect on what that speaks over your life, right? Ephesians chapter three, verses 11 through 12 in the message version. I wanna read it. It says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. See, God has designs and a dream for everyone and everyone, for everyone. Some of you would say, well, I find God's dream for me elusive, if not impossible. And I would tell you tonight that many times that's the case because we pursue these dreams and they think they're gonna be all about us. <laughs> they're gonna be all about me. And that's where the trap is. You know, not long after Acts 2, when Peter quotes the prophet Joel about how the spirit will fall on all people and will dream dreams, he, it's a few chapters later where he has a, a good old-fashioned daydream of himself in uh, Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 9. I'm going to read verses 9 through 16. It says, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. Everybody here that's been fasting said amen. <laughs> but while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. It's all I need to know I'm eating meat for the rest of my life. <laughs> but no, Lord, Peter declared. I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice spoke again. Don't call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated, not once, not twice, three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. See, what's happening here is on this sheet is the equivalent of a diet and foods that would have made Peter, according to Jewish culture, unclean and defiled. We're talking about bacon, pulled pork, the whole menu at County Grill. I'm about to hit that place up after tonight. And craving that stuff. I'm ready to preach about food, but here's the deal. This dream, this dream wasn't about food. This dream wasn't about the menu that was on this blanket. It wasn't about Peter's limited diet based on tradition. It was about the limited vision for God's kingdom that was limited to certain people. For Peter, the Jews. And the dream had to be repeated three times for Peter to finally get it. 
Again, not once, not twice, because apparently after the second time, he was still hungry, thinking about food. Because in the moment, his need was hunger. And again, so often we think that God's dreams are going to be about our needs, satiating my hunger, my desires, my satisfaction. But I'm convinced when you compare God's dreams for us and the enemy's dreams for us, that leans towards the enemy's dreams for us. Make life about you, your appetites. Because if we can't, if the enemy would say, we can't keep folks from God, then just get them in the church and let them keep to themselves, right? We can't keep them from God, have them keep to themselves. Let them dream solely about themselves. I think so often when we think about the enemy and his strategies, we think of the battle between good and evil. And if you read scripture, that's there. But I think sometimes we forsake and forget and fail to show up for the battle between less and more. Settling for less and having faith and expectancy and dreaming for more. Because again, if the enemy can't keep us from God, he'll just engage the next strategy. Getting us to settle for less rather than dreaming for more. And ultimately a life that's lived for me, myself, and I is, is small. It's what Augustine called incurvatus say, where it's curved in, turned in on itself so it stays small. Affects very little. We've got to ask ourselves, I've got to ask myself, myself repeatedly that if, if all of my dreams are about my needs being met, me being satisfied, if the common questions off of my lips are what's in it for me, what am I going to get out of this, then am I looking more and more daily like Jesus or like narcissists? Right? Am I looking more and more like the God who took on flesh to die for each and every person and others, or am I looking more and more like the, the, the myth, the mythological God who fell in love with his reflection till he couldn't move, was good for nothing, and, and died? What am I looking more like daily? Now, let's be clear. Peter was no narcissist, right? He was not narcissistic. He was building the church. He was doing God's work. And I'm not saying we're in here and we're a bunch of narcissistic people, right? We, some of you have been here building the church for 13 years, faithful. But we might have the same problem that Peter had, was simple. His vision was too small. So what did God do? He gave him a dream. God gave him a dream to expand his field of vision. God gave him a dream to widen the scope of his concern. God gave him a dream to broaden the realm of his responsibility. God wants to stretch the boundaries on your dreams. And God was telling Peter what I would tell you tonight, and that is that everybody matters. Everyone matters. Like we just read in Ephesians, God has dreams and purposes for glorious things for everyone. Everyone. Everyone matters. So I would ask you tonight, who's your Cornelius? Who are your Gentiles? What I mean by that is who has been outside your circle of concern that God is calling you to reach? Who's been left for dead as we're daily driven and barely dreaming? Who's God asking you to pray for or to dream for? Think on that. Consider that. Let that marinate. But as we celebrate tonight, we do well to remember that at the inception of the spirit-filled church in Acts, Peter quoted the prophet Joel who spoke of prophets, visionaries, and dreamers. Three roles that actively looked to creating the future. So when we come here tonight for our anniversary, we don't just look back and celebrate the past, although we do that. And we don't just high-five everybody who's present, although I hope to do that. High-five and hug every one of you. But we come here tonight to rededicate ourselves to dreaming dreams and creating the future that God's called us to create, both as individuals and as the church. But you know, if I say a dream within a dream, what do you think of? Be honest. 
Inception. Good one. Nobody, Princess Bride. Yeah, my wife was with me. But Princess Bride, it's not just a dream within a dream, it's a dream within a dream, right? And Inception, <laughs> Inception is not just a dream within a dream, it's a dream within a dream within a dream. Three layers deep, as Cobb said. But before these great movies, Edgar Allan Poe wrote a poem called A Dream Within a Dream. And the last line of this poem, he asks, is all that we see or seem but a dream within a dream? If I could have the worship team come up to answer Mr. Poe tonight, the answer is yes. We're here because God dreamt and created and then he created us in his image to do likewise. And empowered by the Holy Spirit, as Peter says in Acts 2, we're to dream dreams and to leave a legacy. Like MLK left a legacy. Like Peter left a legacy. To create a future where people can dream bigger because we chased the dreams God gave us. Martin Luther King Jr. left a legacy where, again, millions of people in our nation today can dream bigger because those ceilings have been busted because he followed the dream that God gave him. We're here a bunch of bacon and pork eating Gentiles because Peter followed the dream that God gave him was obedient to go to Cornelius' house. The Holy Spirit falls on them. He comes back and he's like, the Holy Spirit's for everybody. God wants to reach everybody. He followed the dream God gave him. What dream is God giving you? What legacy will we leave as individuals and as a church? You know, some years back now, God gave us a dream at City Life to plant campuses before 2020. We wrote it down as the 2020 vision. We ran after it, we chased after it. We chased that thing to Suffolk. That's why we're there now. That's why there's a community that people can come to that wasn't there four years ago, where the spirit can come fill people and cause them to dream dreams. But whose dreams will be possible in the future? Because we decided that we wouldn't stop dreaming now. Because we decided that we weren't gonna stop, or we weren't gonna stop fighting, not just the, the battle of good and evil, but the battle between settling for less and dreaming for more. May there be people in the future who would ask the question, if City Life had stopped dreaming in 13 years, where would I be? But they didn't, and that's why I'm here. May there be people that look at you in the future and say, where would I be if you didn't include me in your circle of care and concern and love, but you did, and I'm forever changed. God has a legacy for us where we dream and create, and Pastor Fred's gonna come up and he's gonna share on this later. But let us remember that at the inception of the church, Peter quoted the prophet Joel and spoke of prophets, visionaries, and dreamers. Again, these three roles that actively look at creating the future. And because he set this tone early, says in Acts chapter 16, that the church was growing in two ways. It was growing in numbers, right? Not just heads being added, hearts being added. Right, filling heaven. It was growing in numbers, but what was the second thing? It was growing in faith. Right, they weren't just saying, I have faith for this, we're gonna reach that. No, the faith grew, their expectancy grew, their dreams grew. And God, I pray in this place tonight, God, as we prepare to go back into worship, God, let your Holy Spirit fill us again. God, we ask for the boldness that the church had in the book of Acts, but we also pray, God, that those gifts, we would prophesy, we would have visions, God, and we would dream dreams. God, you would elevate that daily. And as we open your word, you find ways to, again, broaden the, the, the responsibility and concern that we have for the people you put around us. Give us dreams for ourselves. Give us dreams for our kids. Give us dreams for our family. Give us dreams for our, our, our again, our neighborhoods, our region. But God, help us to remember, God, that we don't just dream dreams for them. Part of what we do is we inspire them by chasing the dream you have for us. And God, I pray that you would open our eyes 
and Holy Spirit, that you would be in this place moving. God, both convicting, encouraging, but handing us dreams and visions that we can chase and leave a legacy. God, we thank you for 13 years. I can't help but think about what the next 13 years will bring. The legacy will leave, God. We pray for a dream within a dream, within a dream, within a dream in the future because we clung to dreams, chased after dreams that started here and led us into creating the future. God, we worship you in this place. Holy Spirit, be here as we praise. Let's stand.